You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Road. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Coming up on the brew session, David's creativity is unleashed on New Phyrexia, with five new deck lists featuring Elesh Norn, Mind Splice Apparatus, All Will Be One, Unctus Grand Metatech, and much more. All of that and more is coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, and I am joined, as always, by the CEO of the Faithless Brewing Podcast. He's Dan Schriever. Dan, what's going on, my friend? Doing well, David. Good to see you. Yeah, good to be seen. Uh, spring, not here yet in uh, Minnesota. You don't really know anything about that down in Texas, but uh, starting to see some, some warm weather headed this way, a few days over 30 degrees, and uh, everyone's in a little better mood. They're not huddled in a corner, you know? Like something from a Charles Dickens novel. <laughs> well, if it does get cold again, uh, you have plenty to keep you occupied inside. Phyrexia All Will Be One is finally available to us. Pre-release was this past weekend or ongoing this week. And the set is now live. Well, I'm projecting to the future. As I'm saying this, the set is yes, not live. But- by the time people will hear this, this set will be live. Exactly. Future me will be grinding away in the Magic Online queues, but... Having the time of your life. Exactly. Yeah, it's an exciting time of year. We don't know what cards are good or bad yet, right? We argue about it. Of course, to the people that don't actually create anything, it will be obvious uh, in six months' time that such and such card was broken and why weren't people doing stuff with it? And of course... It's only obvious after someone shows you what it's done, right? Somebody, Andrea Mangucci or Sam Black or whoever has to actually build the deck that shows that a card is good. Uh, arguing about it online is a, is a thing that takes up a lot of mental bandwidth for Magic players. <laughs> a card's either broken or unplayable. There's no middle ground. I must be right at all times. The days of being excited to brew with venerated rock priest are long over now we hate the card it's so tiresome right calling for bands pitchforks up <laughs> stupid storm deck so what we'd like to do at the end of our preview season and the beginning of our brewing season is kind of step back from thinking about all the cards and just try to zero in on the most exciting ones whether that's the best cards whether that's the cards that just excite us the most last week Mord and I talked about the five cards that excite us the most, and those are mainly focused on modern. Today, we're going to do something a little similar. Looking at Pioneer, we have David, our resident Pioneer Brewmaster, and he's done one better. He's got more than just a list of cards. He's actually got complete deck lists. 15 of them, to be exact, uh, although we're not going to talk about all those today. We're just going to talk about, what, uh, four or five, maybe? Yeah, so I think you're publishing an article or maybe posting it to Twitter or whatever. The the article, if people want access to that, they can join. They can come to the website or you can join the uh, Faithless Brewing Patreon at patreon.com backslash Faithless Brewing. 
And one of the things you get is access to these ideas. There's a lot of ideas in the Discord, people kicking around concepts, throwing out cards, you know, stuff that doesn't con- uh, you wouldn't even consider. And this is the time when you really want to keep an open mind, right? Because everything gets tunnel vision once a deck succeeds. Oh, that's the way you always must build the deck. Dan and I talk about this all the time, these orthodoxies that build up. Right now, there's no orthodoxies. We don't know even what the best cards in this set are. We don't know what the best cards that go with those cards are. And this is a time when your mind is free, well lubricated. And so ideas from the Discord, ideas from other people on Twitter. Maybe people saying a card is great that you thought was unplayable. Well, that's a pretty good player making those claims, right? That's that's when you want to maybe stop and think. Dan says a card is fascinating to him that I had dismissed immediately. Okay, that's a time for me to reconsider. Maybe I still think I'm right and he's wrong, or or, or maybe there's something I'm not thinking about. So this is a great time to, to talk about lists. There's a ton of discussion on our Discord, as I said. There's a ton of discussion on Twitter. Um, this is just our contribution to that, right? Just ideas that we have right now when we don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. Great time to jump in the Discord. And of course, Patreon is just a nice way to support the podcast. So maybe after reading this article, you think, hey, good job, David. Here's a dollar. Patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. That's where you can sign up. We'd love to see you there. Or a bad job, David. I want to ridicule you in the Discord. That, that's worth something to me. <laughs> exactly. If you want to make it personal. That's fine, too. Yeah. <laughs> Direct access. <laughs> All right. So the first card that I want to talk about is one that just slipped past our previews. I think it came out on like the last hour of the preview week, and we had already recorded our episodes. I want to talk about the card All Will Be One. Yeah. Fascinating card, right? So three red, red. Whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, all will be one deals that much damage to an opponent or a creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. Now, it doesn't say any target, I guess, in case your opponent's permanents can't be targeted. You'd have to target yourself. So it's functionally you can think of it as it can do it to any target, but you can't target your own creatures and you can't target yourself. Maybe there's some infinite combos that's stopping. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an inelegant wording, but functionally, you can target your opponent's creatures, your opponent's planeswalkers, or them. Those are the things that you da- target with damage, right? So, worth noting, when something comes into play with counters, that triggers this. So, the first thing that Dan and I kind of thought of was planeswalkers. When Shauna Torture Defiance comes into play, it comes into play with four counters. You get to do four damage whatever you want. That's pretty sweet. Every time you activate a plus ability on a planeswalker, plus one Chandra, that does one damage wherever you want before you even... Uh, you know, resolve the ability of the Planeswalker. So that's kind of what got my mind going, right? Is that's really powerful. Can we afford to take turn four or five off to play this card? That's the big question, right? So you have people, I think, proposing ways to cheat it into play, um, things that can create uh, counters the turn it comes into play, so you're kind of doing something. Uh, But yeah, this card is very powerful, very unique, right? We've never seen this effect before. And... um, Again, it's a very mid-rangey effect, which is why I like it. It's it's a card that really wants you to interact with the board. It's almost like a red doubling season, like color shifted, where instead of just giving yeah. more counters, it's giving that pandemonium fleeing some damage around. Yeah, that's a that's a great comparison. And you know, doubling season typically you're playing cards that win that game, win that turn, mm. you know, it's, and, and so it's, it, it tends to not be as fun as people think it is. <laughs> oh, you can do all these sweet value plays. It's like, hey, but are you just winning this turn? Because uh, you, I'm not going to let you do anything. I'm going to hit concede. This card does not really let you do that. Or I couldn't find a way to win the next turn. Um, 
there's lots of ways to functionally put yourself way ahead after you take a full turn off to do nothing. And that, that's kind of where, where we're, uh, where our thought process went to. Like what's the most counters you can get out of a single card for all will be one in pioneer. I'm not sure. Like dark depths comes with 10 counters. So that's 10 damage and legacy, but that's probably not realistic. You have two approaches. One is to choose cards like planeswalkers that come with a decent chunk of counters and then gain more counters every turn via the loyalty abilities. Or you have stuff that, you know, maybe just adds a counter every turn. Yeah, and if you, I actually believe the way that um, cumulative upkeep works, they actually get counters now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in modern, maybe that's a possibility. I know there's that uh, red enchantment that gets a counter or uh, it creates red mana equal to the number of cumulative upkeep counters it has every upkeep. Braid of Fire, yes. Braid of Fire, yeah. So, you know, but again, that's only adding a counter turn. Uh, Other Vile is adding a counter return, right? The, that's not quite enough. It's not maybe even killing a creature. Just plinking your opponent for one we know is not particularly powerful. So as sweet as all this sounds, is it realistic to play a five mana, quote unquote, do nothing enchantment? I mean, that the turn that I spend five, I'm not necessarily getting anything out of it. Or am I? That's the question. So how do I get it in play in a timely fashion? And then what am I getting paid off for? Yeah, so the first card that really interested me was Tablet of Completion. So Dan laughed at me. <laughs> Maybe he's right to do so. Two mana artifact, tap, put an oil counter on it, and then tap, make a colorless mana. You can only do this ability if you have two or more oil counters on it. And then one mana, tap it to draw a card. You can only do that if you have five oil counters on it. So if you play it on turn two, you might as well just tap it immediately to get that oil counter on. Turn three still doesn't do anything. You must tap it again to make an oil counter. So on turn four, it naturally curves into all will be one. And so we're taking turn two off to play instead of turn three. So that's already just something that I'm somewhat interested in. Also worth noting, let's say we do that curve. We haven't played any other spells for some reason. It just naturally adds a counter every turn. So if we do X amount of damage, we just need one more to kill something. Just tapping tablet does one to our opponent, one to a creature to finish it off, kills Thalia, kills Man and Elf, whatever. So that's already worth something. Two, Experimental Augury proliferates. So on turn three, if we turn two tablet, tap it. Turn three, we can Experimental Augury proliferate tablet. We actually can cast four mana worth of spells on turn three. So it's not a great two mana mana rock, and we know how rare those are in Pioneer. But you can Experimental Augury Sensor, Experimental Augury uh, Abrade, right? You have options to do that. And then the Experimental Augury proliferating is adding counters. So if we have a tablet of completion and a planeswalker in play, all will be one is going to actually do damage for each counter we're adding to these permanents. And then we have planeswalker. So four mana Chandra is interesting to me. She comes in to play with four. So she does four under all will be one. She is a ramp spell to all will be one. So if you play her, but you don't draw your fifth land, she lets you play all will be one. Um, she comes in to play a minus four. So if you imagine like you play all B1, your opponent has this huge board, you play Chandra, she does four to something, she minus three, she does four to something else. You've actually like cleaned up a lot of what your opponent may have done without even having to cast a sweeper. Narset is a card that you have a hard time protecting sometimes. Narset is sweet under all B1. She comes into play, she does five. She actually starts with a high amount of loyalty. So she sort of protects herself. Uh, she also finds all B1 if you play her early in the game. 
like a mid-range matchup where maybe you censored their play so your the board happens to be clear. It's always great to play Narset on a clean board. And then Chandra Awakened Inferno is the most exciting to me. She's a card that's good against control because she can't be countered. With all but will be one, she comes into play with six loyalty, so she can kill all creature, probably. Then she plus twos. So she adds two loyalty, that does two damage anywhere, and then she starts the cycle of doing a damage to your opponent every turn. So even on an empty board, she does eight to your opponent and does one every upkeep, even if she dies that turn. That's that's a ton of damage. So yeah, the, the, the deck is sort of, the lower end is Fiery Impulse, Sensor, right? It's it's a little bit of ramp, and then it's just interaction of spells. We, we're, we're main decking Anger of the Gods, um, which is going to be, uh, I think, a very good card as people try out all these small creature decks uh, in the new format. And then all will be one is just our big like mirror breaker. We we can resolve it on turn four, a myriad of ways. And once it's down, we've got all these planeswalkers that come into play and immediately try to sort of recoup that value because we did lose a turn doing nothing. I almost believe in this. <laughs> the problem is, it's so slow. Like even with the considerations you've made, yeah, very slow. There's just not much room for stuff at the lower end of the curve, and the only way to get more cheap interaction is to trim some of your payoffs. I do love these thing of the ice in the sideboard. I wonder if that's like a way to bridge the gap. That brings four counters with it. I think that's very clever. Although it doesn't work great with a planeswalker angle. The other card that seems like it should work is Kiora, three mana Kiora. Like instead of Narset. Unfortunately, neither Kiora nor Narset has a plus ability, so you can't actually add counters with them, but she ramps you to five. She she untaps your tablet of completion. <laughs> um, you've used her to success in some as it builds in the past, whether with uh, Glory Bringer or Goblin Dark Dwellers. Although those packages are maybe incompatible with the Planeswalker setup. I thought about her in this list. I like Narset just because it gives you another angle. You do have the Narset uh, Gaia Reach uh, Santorum uh, in your deck, just built in. And Narset is just a value card. is is a card that it almost does gain life because your opponent has to attack it in a way they don't for Kiora. So if you just play this on three and minus it to find a Chandra or a Sweeper or something, um, Kiora does not have a way to draw cards in this deck. And without the actual draw card ability, I don't think the untap ability is worth it. Mm, I see. But yeah, Thing of the Ice is really nice. Out of side, they should take all their removal out and Thing in the Ice is just a fine card because we have a bunch of instants and sorceries. Um, yeah, it does come into play with four counters, and then uh, you'll probably take out, for instance, some of your more expensive Planeswalkers against aggro decks, and then you'll be bringing in all these other instants and sorceries. So you could imagine, like, taking out the six mana Chandra against Spirits, bringing in Thing in the Ice, and Rending Volley, etc. And so you aren't really an all-will-be-one deck, you just turn into more of, like, a full-on control list. You know, it's interesting... Just thinking of Kiora and counters, like the very next deck we have here in the lineup is full of counters and it has Kiora's in it. And I'm like, you could put all both be one into this Gruel Ramp deck. Maybe that's like a different way to take advantage of it. It's an interesting card. Like what kinds of things add counters of any type? Well, everything. Like and they're not necessarily connected to each other. Apart from the proliferate mechanic, there's no reason to go gathering up cards that happen to add counters. So it's just cool brewing space. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of random counters, we have a new type of counter called the oil counter. Oil counters accrue on individual permanents, and each permanent uses the oil counter in its own idiosyncratic way. 
for the most part they don't interact with the oil counters on other permanents, with one exception. The card Filigree Silex. It's a 2-mana legendary Ratchet Bomb. Instead of getting charge counters, it gets oil counters, and it has a third ability, which is tap, sack, filigree silex, and remove 10 oil counters from among all of your permanents. So anything that the filigree silex itself had, plus if you have oil counters sitting on other permanents, that can help you get to 10. If you do that, you get to shoot anything, 10 damage, 20 target. Yeah, and so yeah, we talked about this card. Okay, it's a... Um... What's the it, something with upside? <laughs> What's the two mana artifact that already does? It's all kind of a ratchet bomb with upside, although legendary is a downside. It's, it is a ratchet ratchet bomb with upside. So we talked about it like, all right, you you don't normally have two ratchet bombs in play anyway, so this should just see play in that way. But I never really thought the ten counters thing was realistic. So Frank Karsten, the Mad Scientist, Hall of Fame player, I think he works for uh, Watsy right now. He posted a screenshot that said this is a turn four kill with no attacking in standard the picture had two mon- monumental facade uh two copper line gorge a s- filigree silex assuming he played it on turn two uh an amiglo's maze crusher and a sulfium uh mayhem dominus mm-hmm. so the filigree silex comes into play taps that turn as a counter the two facades have two counters each that's five Miglos comes into play with five, that's 10. So you can remove those 10 to do 10, and Solfeam doubles them, so that does 20. And I was like, man, that is insane. Like, the, the thing that I immediately said to Dan was, yeah, okay, of course it's a cute little combo on how many times you can have two facades in your opening hand. But you don't have to play any bad cards. Like, Solfeam is the closest card to a bad card, but we even thought, like, Miglos could see play as, like, a one-of in, in red-green, like, in Gruel. Like, that's not a, a hideous play. So. That got me thinking, like, okay, what if we don't really need to do 20, though? We could have, we could have a deck that just does, like, 10 a reasonable amount of the time. Plays the four Silexes, and the first Silex is almost always going to do, like, 10 damage. And if you do, like, 10 damage, plus you play a couple Bone Crushers and Shock them, that's actually really good. That, that, or at least it's worth thinking about. So I built this list totally. I had n- not thought of it at all. And this is a Frank Karsten. Unless it's bad, then, Frank, I apologize. I'll take all the blame. Um <laughs> So this is a red-green list that's playing the full four Monumental Facade. And then it's playing actual, like, burn that can go to the face because we are playing a couple Soul Fame. So the, the Stomp of Bone Crusher Giant, the Trigger Bone Crusher Giant, by the way, if it's in play. Uh, four Play with Fire. Thundering Raju is a card that does non-combat damage, so that gets doubled by Soul Fame. It also sees all the other counters. So it sees plus one, plus one counters. It sees oil counters, etc. Uh, we're playing four Armored Scrap Gorger. That adds an oil counter every turn while giving us main deck Graveyard Hate. Four Silex, four or three Kiora, as Dan mentioned. It untaps Scrap Gorger, untaps Silex, uh, untaps Facade if you wanted to uh, put an oil counter on something else. If you're proliferating or something, you want to have multiple bodies. Four Bloated Contaminator. This is a card I propose a scales list. I know a lot of other people have Mana Elf into Scale, or into Contaminator, into Three Mana Nissa, etc. Uh, bloated Contaminator triggers Kiora. That's cool. Proliferates. It can get plus one, plus one counters from... Thundering Raiju, uh, it can proliferate all of the other oil counters. Um, proliferating keeps Kiora alive, for whatever that's worth. Miglos is another card that triggers Kiora. Um, has a bunch of oil counters. Thundering Raiju just does damage. We're just trying to do 10 to them, basically. So our Silex is good. And then two Glorybringer, just good enough. <laughs> uh, under Soulfeam, Glorybringer doubles damage, so it can kill Shieldred or whatever if you want. 
Uh, Kiora plus Glorybringer is just a fine like mid-range plan. Uh, and then two Thirsting Roots. It's a card that proliferate or find a basic land. I thought this card was kind of weak. Well, proliferating is really good in this deck, actually. And if we start moving, you know, multiple oil counters around, it also just, you know, we're playing 23 land plus a spike field hazard plus two thirsting roots. So we will almost never be mana screwed. And then late in the game, thirsting roots is much better than a land, obviously. So the soul theme is a card that is, is throwing me off here a little bit. So in our preview episode, you know, we said compare soul theme to Torbran. Torbran much better on all counts. Soul Theme only counts your non-combat damage, except that Soul Theme doesn't care what color the source is. So like, yeah, there's the Filigree Silex for 20 is theoretically possible. But in all other situations, you'd rather have a Torbran. Here, like, how many of these burn choices did you put in the deck because of the Soul Theme? Like, Play With Fire, Stomp, Glorybringer, and Filigree Silex. These are your cards that interact with Soul Theme's ability besides that the soul theme is kind of just like thundering thundering raju as well oh yeah damage for equal to the amount of creatures with counters on them yeah modified modified creatures not creatures with counters but in this deck it will be (laughs) (laughs) okay so do you feel like that's enough to make the soul i guess it is technically indestructible if you what is the sacrifice i think it's discard two cards uh, discard two cards, pay four life. Yeah, I mean it's not bad. Five four for four. Okay, maybe it is fine. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not only on the doubling thing. If you want to see, you want to play one soul theme or none. I don't think that's wrong. I think I'd at least start with it because Frank Frank's image. I got at least be true to the to the source here. I agree with you. I, I'm not like a huge believer in this card, but yeah, it becomes indestructible against red black, which is the kind of deck that might pick this kind of thing apart. It is nice to make it indestructible against like mono green. It just blocks all their four fours forever. It attacks through um, uh, Lovestruck Beast. It blocks the five six infinitely, etc. Doubling the damage does it really matter that much? I mean, it does for the Filigree Silex combo kill. Play with Fire doing four, Stomp doing four. You know, Bone Crusher Giant being targeted doing four. The Glorybringer doubling doesn't matter really. I mean, four damage is killing most everything. So. You know, I, I don't think I'm like bending that much. It draws a card with Kiora. That's, you know, <laughs> just a reasonable thing to do. So, yeah, I, I'm not making that many choices. I'd want to play with Fires anyway, because I think we're not going to do 20 damage most of the time. And going to the face, but not being able to kill a three toughness creature is worth it for to me. So the other concern I have about this build is if we're accepting that 10 damage is more likely than 20, I worry that we're like a little bit slow out of the gates. Like we actually don't have any mana elves in the deck. There's no one drops. So I'm not convinced that we will be in the aggressive role in every matchup. And if that's the case, like what if I actually can't deal another 10 damage? So I'm wondering if I should instead say, all right, forget the top end of the curve, play Elvish Mystic, play the, um, the oily experiment one. What's that called? Evolve. Oh, the adaptive one, one that, something. Yeah. Yep. Where like maybe that is like a better source than Arbor Scrap Gorger. Like it just comes down early and does more damage. You know, you can get in two, three, four chip damage with that in the early turns of the game. And it just gets you closer to that 10 damage threshold. And then the Silex takes you the rest of the way. And if I do that, then maybe I'm less interested in Kiora. I'm less interested in Glorybringer. And I have just like a a smaller, more aggressive curve. Yeah, the problem with that is, first of all, you I think to do the Silex thing, you need to play the four Monumental Facades, and then it becomes hard to always have turn one Mana Elf in a red-green list. 
Um, so then maybe you don't want to play or your red splash gets very small. So, okay, we don't have mana elves, but we do have play with fire, which kills a mana elf. Our deck is entirely immune to shock mm. uh, or stomp from our opponent. And Scrap Gorger is a main deck graveyard hate card. Um, in addition to all that. So again, this is this is my total bias. I, I like my decks to be a lot more interactive. The problem, well, not the problem, but the, the factors of the deck you're proposing is that it is much more all in on the Silex kill. Whereas this deck can just win a game where we never activate Silex. We can play with Fire their Mana Elf. We can play an Armored Scrap Gorger and then just play a Thundering Raiju on that turn and attack their Karn that they minus and kill it um, and, and make our guy big enough that their boat can't hit it. And we play a Glorybringer and kill a creature. Like, we can just play a fair game. And eventually, you draw Silex on turn 10. Normally, it's a terrible draw to draw your, you know, artifact that has to gear up. It's like, you might just have 10 oil on the on the battlefield already. It just taps to do 10. Hmm. Yeah, I guess the way that you've built your deck, also the Silex is just better removal in your deck because you're a little bit higher on the curve and just using Silex defensively for one or two is less likely to hurt you the way that you've constructed this deck. Yeah, so like against Mono White, I would expect to be activating Silex to not do 10 damage. I would expect to do like a bad sweeper, like blowing up two, mm. two mana creatures or something like that. Um, is is a very reasonable way to go about it. And with like Thirsting Roots or Bloated Contaminator, you have a way to kind of get it at the right level, like faster than your opponent thinks. True. And then, you know, you then that gives you time to turn on your whatever Maglaws <laughs> or whatever the heck else you're trying to do. Yeah, the monumental facade can add the oil counter to anything, right? So you can use that yes. to put a surprise counter on the Silex, plus a Thirsting Roots, plus a Kira untap. You can immediately, you know, do CMC3 with the Silex if you need to. And, like, it also can modify things for Thundering Raiju. Like, if you just have a couple of Armored Scrap Gorgers and then you, like, put a facade counter on Bone Crusher Giant, you play a Thundering Raiju attack, it doesn't count the number of attacking modified creatures. It counts the number of modified creatures. Oh, really? So Thundering Ride, you can attack for, you know, six damage or whatever. Oh, I didn't realize that the modified creatures do not have to be attacking. Yeah, so if we just, just whatever, st turn one, we play a land. Turn one, they play an elf, we kill it. Turn two, we play a Scrap Gorger. Turn two, they play something in a land. Or, and another elf. Like, if we play Thundering Raiju and attack, it just does three, plus it puts a plus one, plus one counter on itself, plus it triggers if there's a Scrap Gorger in play. So that's just, we're not talking about Magical Christmas Land here. It's just, it's just a really fast clock all of a sudden. So the doubling of that damage with Soul Theme is also, you know, not trivial. So maybe that's why you weren't thinking that was that impressive. Like, it's it's possible it's, it's doubling, like, three or four damage. Uh, with with the Raiju, yeah, that makes a difference. I didn't uh, I didn't compute that when I was initially looking at the deck. All right, yeah, Raiju like saw a lot of play in standard, but wasn't quite good enough for Pioneer. So like you and I just aren't familiar with this card. Uh, <laughs> so I, I never actually cast it, but I had to read that multiple times. Like, oh, so if I just have a bunch of tap scrap gorgers, or I've just randomly put like a facade counter on a on a bone crusher giant just to proliferate it, it it matters for Raiju. Nice. Soul Theme gets an indestructible counter. That's another modified creature. Okay. All right. All right. Very cool. I'm a believer. All right. On to the next one here. Dan and I love spending a lot of mana. Mind Slice Apparatus. Dan, I think you were the first person I ever heard say, Wilderness Recreation or Reclamation is totally broken. I can't believe they printed it uncommon. And it turned out to be as powerful as you thought, maybe even more powerful. Mind Slice Apparatus has like 
fixed wilderness wreck vibes for me, maybe, where it's adding two to four mana a turn way faster than you'd think. But we can play sorceries instead of just instants, right? It's got it adds a lot less mana, but the restrictions of what you can use the mana on are a lot less. Am I fairly characterizing this card or what? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, going straight to Wilderness Wreck, what a comparison. What's a fixed Wilderness Wreck? Wilderness Wreck, mana doubler, very few restrictions on it. Mind Splice Apparatus it can be more than a mana doubler, but that's provided you have stuff to spend the mana on. Like, I don't know if there's any other card that provides this much cost reduction. I can't think of anything that does. So I've never actually like been presented with <laughs> the opportunity to get a three, four, or five mana discount on all of my instants and sorceries. Yeah, so again, you know, Dan talks about this all the time. Best in class, unique ability. This is a card that does something exactly like you said, Dan. It doesn't really do something we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing Goblin Electromancer reducing our spells by one or whatever. We're not used to seeing something where if it stays in play for a couple turns, it's reducing things by two or three mana. And if we cast four mana spell that's reducing by three and a four mana spell reducing by three, it's it's creating six mana that turn, uh, you know, or whatever. Um, so it gets the mind working, right, to see what we can do with this card. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing I want to do is increase the rate at which this thing is reducing my spells. The turn after you play Mind Spice Apparatus, and it does have Flash. I think without Flash, it's unplayable. Wilderness Wreck gave you the mana back right away. Fires gives you four mana the turn you play it. This does not do that. So you have to take a turn off. Now your opponent doesn't know it, but you're letting them resolve their three or four drop that they're, oh, is this my bait spell? It's like, I don't have a counter spell. This was a bluff. I'm Mind Slice Apparatus on end of turn. I get a counter. So on turn five, or when, when the turn you play your fifth land, you have a minus one to all your spells. We're hoping to accelerate that turn with Growth Spiral. But the first thing I want to do is cast Experimental Augury. Experimental Augury is so sweet with this card. It costs a blue to cast on that upkeep. And then it pays for itself that turn. So it's a free spell. It's like a Manamorphose, if you want to think of it that way. But a Manamorphose, it looks at your top three to find another spell, in theory, that Mind Splice Apparatus is reducing. So those cards are cards I want to play together. Four Gross Spiral, four Experimental Augury, four Mind Slice Apparatus. I will negotiate on any other card in this list, but not those. So now what do we need? We need to interact with our opponent. So I want cards that have Kicker because I want a modular spell, something that's efficient to play on turn two. I don't have a Mind Splice Apparatus in play yet, but in the late game, I want to be able to extract some value out of these plays. So a card like Fires of Victory, very interesting to me. One in a red does damage equal to the cards in your hand. Okay, on turn two, that kills any two or three mana spell your opponent plays, right? But on turn five, it draws a card and maybe it only costs like three mana to kill Shieldred or something. Um, Sweltering Sun's a cycling card. So in the matchups, it's good, it's great. Well, we have all this extra mana lying around. We just cycle it and turn it into something that we can use a mana for. Fight with Fire. Okay, in the early game, two and a red does five damage. All right, it's not great, but it kills Shieldred. It kills, you know, whatever, three or four drop our opponent has in play. Once we reduce mana on this, it's actually pretty easy to fully kick it. If we're talking about an eight mana spell that does 10 damage, maybe we can reduce it by two or three. So we're talking about a seven mana spell that does 10 damage. We only need to resolve two of them to kill our opponent. And um, I have Behold the Multiverse. Again, you can put it into exile of two mana early in the game. Late game, you can cast it just for blue. Look at your, you know, scry two, look at two. 
Commit to Memory or even uh, Mystical Dispute, which is a card uh, while Wilderness Wreck used. Commit to Memory, once Mind Splice Apparatus is down, it's just an amazing counterspell. It's like blue, <laughs> counter anything unconditionally to the top of their deck or any permanent. But then the memory half means we don't run out of cards. Dan pointed out when we were talking about this during spoiler season, can't run out of cards with this because we, we don't want to have all this mana and no place to go. Yeah, I think that was the biggest disagreement we had was where is the cards going to come from? And I had initially said memory deluge because I can flash it back. You said, no, not that. Let's play Behold the Multiverse instead. I said maybe pieces of the puzzles are the way we want to go, but I think that Commit to Memory is the better than all of those combined. And it just completely never even occurred to me. But exactly like you're saying, the front half Commit is sort of playable at four mana. It's overcosted only by one mana. Like, it, it's removal for any permanent. Yeah, if it costs three, that card would be insane. If it costs three, that card would be insane. Yeah, so even just having that be a follow-up play, the turn you flash in Mind Splice Apparatus, play Commit for three, or for two if you got the Augury to proliferate, that's your catch-up turn. And then, you know, two, three turns later, memory reduced by that much. Doesn't end the turn, right? It's not days undoing. You, you actually just pay nope. two or three mana, draw a fresh seven, and you're just going to go off from there. I think it's like the perfect card. It's a huge find for this deck. Yeah, I found it really late. I had like almost had the list posted and was ready to send it. And then I was looking at the old Wilderness Reckless and I noticed they were playing three main deck Mystic Disputes. And it was like, oh, because if we untap, you might as well just have a card that's awesome in the actual mirror. But then when you have all the mana, it's like three mana mana leak isn't the end of the world if I'm going to have six mana untapped on my end step. Anyway, exactly with this, four mana is not great, but it's not terrible, right? It's not a bogus card. But once you have Mind Slice Apparatus, it does everything. It's great against decks that want to attack you on the stack. It's great against the guy who resolved Shieldred, you know, when you took your turn off. It does it all. And the memory, you can maybe win that turn, right? You're, you're Normally, you're, oh, your opponent gets to draw seven. The six mana is supposed to mean that they kind of get the first use of those cards. Well, if you reduced it by enough, you might be able to fight with fire combo, kill them uh that turn so yeah I, I don't know how many you want to play but this this is a, my starting point i kind of want to play four <laughs> is that crazy i mean four seems high but i could be talking in the third for sure and then we're playing six mdfcs salundi vision another super sweet card to help us find our commit to memories when once we're online uh ajuari disruption you just need cheap interaction so we have 30 uh possible lands in our deck because we want to hit every land drop up to probably six or seven yeah, I think that's the other big find for this deck is realizing that these overcosted MDFC spells are perfect with the apparatus. So Salundi to help you find the combos. You could even play um, Valakut Awakening if you think you're going to be needing red lands more early. If you think you need green lands for the growth spirals, the Valakut Recovery is not that bad. So these are all options. There is the question of like how many tap lands can you afford? You also have to play the Triumphs, and keep in mind that MDFCs cannot be put in with a growth spiral. So you have to like account for all that when checking to make sure you have enough growth spiral lands. But yeah, I'm wondering if like between all this card selection and the ability to time twister with memory, that you should actually trim your finisher slots to like the bare minimum. Like right now, you're playing two fight with fires, three expansion explosions. What if you don't need all those? What if you just need one fight with fire and one expansion explosion? Is that crazy? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like fight with fire the first time around, we're just going to cast on three mana to kill something, like kill their shieldred. We really have to kill shieldred in this deck. We we cannot win if shieldred's in play. Um, 
I could certainly cut the expansion explosion. That maybe two is the number there. I literally just looked at the Wilderness Reckless. They played three. Um, I didn't uh, try to get it any cuter than that, honestly. I, I didn't. I should have maybe thought about it more. But yeah, maybe cut that to two. Well, they get shuffled back, so you only need the one because it yeah. keeps getting put back in the deck, in theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, then if we go up, commit to memory. Again, I don't like being super naked. I'd probably still play two no matter what, but maybe turn the third one into a commit to memory mm. um, or another like interactive type of spell. But yeah, then, then worth noting that the expansion, the, the combo ability, checks the cost of the spell on the stack. So a kicked fight with fire is still a three CMC spell. So depending on how much your reduction is, you just do 20 damage to your opponent out of nowhere. Or if obviously you've got a ton of reduction, you can do, you know, the blue, blue, red, red, X, XM for a zillion. But the the plan really is to fight with fire, kick it. You know, let's say it only costs five mana and then just red, red, copy it. You do 20 to your opponent out of, out of nowhere. It just seems so sweet to me. Yeah, I think kicker is perfect for this. Doubling fight with fire. Just the modality of fires of victory. I mean, yeah, it all works. So surprisingly i think this deck will actually work really well it's different from what i've seen other people <laughs> propose like most of the people who talk about minus best apparatus at all assume that you have to play extra turn spells and here you're saying no i'm just gonna like play control spells well that's where i started but the problem is you're taking turn four off to do nothing you're playing mind slice apparatus and then turn five you're casting a turn spell maybe mm. um but like then what? Like, if your opponent casts Thali on turn two and Mono White always has it, on turn five casting Mind Slice Apparatus and then turn six casting a, a turn spell, maybe, that just doesn't do it for me. Like, you, I, I liked, I started with the turn shell build, but it's like, it's it's a shell that's weak against aggro and it's a shell that's weak against control. Right? So it's like, what what are we even good against? We're only good against mid-range decks if they don't draw Thoughtseize. That's a really weird place to be, uh, to my way of thinking. The theory is that you take one extra turn and then you take another one and you just never give them the turn back. But that requires playing like eight or sometimes ten extra turn spells. They're super expensive. They're clunky. Right. And so against control, those are hard to resolve, even with reduction. I mean, ca resolving mind slice apparatus against control is not a given, right? right? right. So, okay, we know that might not happen. Lotus Field can actually just kill you. <laughs> they're just gonna go for it and then aggro is disruptive like mono green is is like coming for you you can't just like do nothing do nothing turn four mind slice apparatus turn five take a turn like okay you better you better win like you actually and and a lot of them you know these turn spells don't actually kill your opponent <laughs> like okay take a turn make two birds like all right attack you for two okay i'm at 18 <laughs> are you taking another turn because you really need to i mean yeah. All right. I like this one. From Teamer Mind Spice Apparatus, we move on to Green White. Oh, gosh. Green White. You said this was the deck you were most excited about, and it's Green White. I love Elish Norn. I think this card is the most slept on. Like, people think it's a card for Commander or whatever. I think this card just blanks entire decks in the entire format. And I, I think having free wins against some decks is way better than people think so i've seen a lot of people say oh elish norn should see some play in pioneer because it'll be like a one of tutor target for my enigmatic incarnation deck and the reality is for elish norn means you cannot play enigmatic incarnation you cannot play karuga fires like these decks cannot kill this card 
And if it resolves, their deck doesn't do anything. There isn't a single way they have in their entire 75, or in the case of these Urian Enigmatic Incarnation builds, 85. They can't kill Elish Norn. So a resolve Elish Norn just wins the game. It beats these decks that have reasonable win percentages across the board. That's already something I'm interested in. So if I just find this card, then I win. And now can I shore up my other matchups so I don't lose? And it's like Elish Norn has applications against green, right? Turns off their oaths, turns off their Kiora triggers, um, turns off all the stuff you get from Karn, right? None of those things come into play and do anything. Turns off the 5-6, finding a land and, and you know, finding your uh, Nykthos. It's very mediocre against red-black, but it does, like, a little bit of stuff. So this deck is just saying, I'm trying to resolve Elish Norn. That, this is my goal. And every card in my deck is awesome with Elish Norn, but it's playable without it. That's that's the in general the thought process here. So four portable hole, right? Got to interact early. Four Oath of Nissa. Oath of Nissa is insane underneath an Elish Norn. So we don't turn off their Elish. We we turn off their Oath. Our Oath is a double ponder for green. Um, Prosperous Innkeeper, right? So the life gain trigger doubles. It makes two treasures under Elish Norn, so it's free. Ossification exiles two permanents under Elish Norn, or it's just a two-mana removal spell, you know, like a slow terminate or dreadbore. For Kiora, must have Kiora into Elish Norn draws two. The game is functionally over, like I said, against a, a small but meaningful percentage of the format. Topiary Stomper has a come into play ability, find a basic land. If you have Kiora plus Elish Norn in play, so it finds two basic lands and it draws two. Land of War Visionary, an another card that helps us play Elish Norn and turn early. Under Elish Norn, it draws two extra cards. Uh, Touch the Spirit Realm. A three-mana exile spell under Elish Norn is very powerful, right? Get two permanents. But blinking Topiary Stomper, blinking Elish Norn, blinking uh, Asika's Chariot with Elish Norn in play or not is super powerful. If you do this under Kiora, you know, like, if you imagine you have a Topiary Stomper and a Kiora in play and you just blink it with Touch the Spirit Realm, you cast... A rampant growth that draws a card. Very good. Um, Forest Seeker's Chariot. Card is obviously awesome under Elish Norn. We know it's just a playable card. Uh, also super cool with Prosperous Innkeeper. You just start drawing or gaining all this life. One Teleportation Circle. Like I said, all these come into play effects from artifacts and creatures. Four Elish Norn and then one Storm the Festival because eventually, you know, our Topiary Stompers, etc. are just going to ramp us up. We'll be able to cast Storm the Festival even from the graveyard. This is such a weird deck. I mean, if you told me I'm going to ramp into Elish Norn in green and white, I'd be like, yeah, sure. The cards you're describing, these are these are not the typical cards you see in ramp. Like, Topiary Stomper was tried briefly in primitive versions of Mono Green. It's not a great card to have for the turns one through six when you don't have seven lands in play. But, I mean, here you're getting that Kiora Synergy. You're getting the ability to blink it. I think Touch the Spirit Realm is like a brilliant find here where... It's almost good enough just for the channel alone. The channel can be used offensively or defensively. It targets creatures or artifacts, so you can blink the Asika's Chariot if you have to. Uh, you can re -blink, you can blink a portable hole if you, for some reason... Actually, no, you would never do that. But in theory... <laughs> no, no, you do sometimes. Sometimes, I've done it many times, portable hole the 2-2 goblin that Fable makes, mm -hmm. and then blink it to get the 3-2 uh, vampire. I've done that in, in matches. Oh, if you just like didn't want to spend three for the Touch of Spirit Realm itself? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But what's surprising me about the build is that it's it's just kind of slow. Like the ramp doesn't really start till turn three. You get the Elish Norn maybe turn four. Whereas I would assume a ramp deck has to 
lead on at least Sylvan Karyatid, but preferably Llanowar Elves. And you're saying, no, I'm okay. Just Prosperous Innkeeper is my only ramp on one and two. Besides that, I'm just playing either Portable Hole or Oath of Nyssa. Well, ramp on two and ramp on three get you to Elish Norn at the exact same time. You're still casting a turn for Elish Norn. So those don't make that much of a difference. But wouldn't I prefer to just like have more options be a little more ahead? Like, do I need all of these three mana rampers? Like maybe I should change some of them into two or one mana rampers, like the Land War Visionaries, the Topiary Stompers. I don't know if I need so many copies of these. Yeah, and may- maybe, I mean... You might be right. The the Lanaware Visionaries, maybe you could turn into like Karyatids or something. I was just really worried about flooding out, but maybe like between Oath and Chariot and stuff, you're you're fine. Hmm. The ossification here, I mean, I know I gave you a hard time about this <laughs> between the preview shows because I'm not convinced that it's easy to get basic lands. And after we recorded that, someone asked me about, well, isn't ossification just worse than the pacifism from this set, like planar disruption? which is one in a white aura that enchants an artifact creature or planeswalker says that it can't attack, block, or activate any abilities. Which I hadn't even considered this card really for constructed, but Planet Disruption actually is pretty good. And after all that, yeah. you've managed to find the one deck where Ossification is like much better than all these, because it doubles. <laughs> it doubles. We have Topiar Stomper to find basics. So we're playing seven basics plus Topiar Stomper, so we're functionally playing... 11 basics plus oath can find a basic mm-hmm. so you know what i'm saying yeah uh it is also worth noting that the card you're describing does not stop shieldred so <laughs> in this deck where we're going to be drawing a shit ton of cards with elish norn we definitely definitely uh want to be ossificationing shieldred or touch of the spirit only shieldred we don't want to be pacifying it okay yeah i mean i hope you're right about elish norn not just being an engine for yourself but actually shutting down a lot of the existing strategies in Pioneer. People haven't done the work yet of actually sitting down and figuring out how much the matchup changes when I'm going to play Elish Norn on turn four. Yeah. And then, like, lots of people can't kill it easily. That's the other thing. Like, Mono White can't kill it. So it doesn't stop Mono White, but Mono White only has come into play triggers to kill Elish Norn. So Elish Norn lives. So if they don't kill you that turn, you know, next turn Prosperous Innkeeper plus Seeker's Chariot gains 16. Like, back to you. <laughs> Does it really gain 16? Chariot makes four. Mm-hmm. Innkeeper. Oh, yeah, you get eight. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. All right, and then finally, you and I have been kicking around cards with this Unctus. A bad name, but a name nonetheless. Unctus Grand... <laughs> Metatect? Oh, yes. <laughs> so it does a lot of things. It gives your blue creatures this ability to loot. Other blue creatures you have, uh, whenever it becomes tapped, draw a card, discard a card. Other artifact creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So it's a lord for artifact creatures. It gives these blue creatures this ability. And then for a Phyrexian blue mana, so either a blue mana or two life, it can make a creature an artifact blue creature until end of turn. And it can only do it at sorcery speed, but it gives either. A blue creature that it was already in play, it can make it an artifact. It gets plus one, plus one. An artifact creature in play can make it blue, so when it taps, it loots. Or it can make a creature who's neither of those things, both of those things for the turn. So what to do with this card is unclear. And I sent you a bunch of different shells. One where it's more of just like a lord that gives you some looting ability. Um, 
this is a, a loose proposal I have. I'm not really sure exactly that I like it or not, but Emery and, and Unctus are interested to me because Emery naturally taps. When she taps, it puts an extra card in the graveyard, so maybe she can find something else. Paradox Engine is a card I want to cast from the graveyard or, or in play. Paradox Engine and Emery are obviously very powerful together. Uh, Chief Engineer lets you tap your blue creatures proactively under Unctus. You know, you can play Unctus on turn three after Chief Engineer tap them both, play a two-man artifact, and you get to loot at least once. The rest of the deck is just like artifact stuff. I'm not really sure. Moonsnare Prototype is again a way to tap our blue creatures under Unctus. And then the Paradox Engine, Emery Combo, you know, if you have a Mox Amber or a Tormod's Crypt, you can just loot through your entire deck, cast every spell. Um, if you deck yourself, you can Thassa's Oracle to win. You can find other Flux Reservoir, go through your deck that way. Um, if you set up the loop without Unctus, you can play an Altar of the Brood and you're putting an infinite amount of permanence in play. You uh, loot your opponent that way. If you cast an infinite amount of artifacts... With Patchwork Automaton in play, you can crew it up with Shadow Spear that turn and kill them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what to do with this card, but I'm I'm fascinated by it. There's so much text, it feels like it has to be doing something. So Chief Engineer is one in a blue, 1-3 Artificer. It says artifact spells you cast have Convoke. That becomes like one of the best ways to tap things for Unctus, because Unctus doesn't naturally provide any way for you to be like tapping these other blue creatures if you have oval chase daredevil right you've got two copies of daredevil here i could in theory tap my chief engineer to convoke any artifact in play when i tap the engineer unctus triggers i draw one discard my oval chase daredevil then the artifact that i cast resolves enters play daredevil comes back to my hand so i've just functionally drawn a card um, if I didn't have the Daredevil, it's just a loot, so I haven't drawn a card, but I've purified my card quality. So, like, Chief Engineer is, like, weirdly the most important creature, is that fair to say? Or, like, going off with Unctus? Because you can keep doing it again and again. If you don't want to do that, I mean, Emery naturally tapping makes sense. Like, Emery just going off uncontested is is good, but if you add an Unctus, you're, you're looting, so you're getting, like, a little, a little more value. And then you have the supplemental chappers in the form of the Moonstar prototype and the Springleaf drum. I mean, it's weird. It's just a weird combination. Like, Chief Engineer almost wants you to play artifact creatures instead of just artifacts. You know what I mean? Well, the problem, the problem though, is that the Chief Engineer line you have where you functionally drew a card with a little chase Daredevil, you're not doing anything to affect the board. So, okay, you're playing all these artifacts. Like, what are you doing then, right? So, I think you need to be ramping to the Reservoir or Paradox Engine or some kind of artifact that wins or puts you in a position to win. Because all this other stuff is just, again, moving stuff from one <laughs> place to another. And it doesn't do anything, right? The board has not been affected. You've cast a two-mana artifact on turn three and you have an extra card in your hand from the, but one of them is an Oval Chase Daredevil that you can't cast. So, now, okay, now you've passed the turn back. Now, what are you going to do next turn? Okay, you're going to do it again. But these looting effects don't do anything unless it adds up to something. And, and you have to resolve an artifact every turn to get the Oval Chase Daredevil back to your hand. So the proposal, the full combo proposal, we were debating this yesterday. According to Will Urker, right, the way to build Unctus is you use Chief Engineer and Unctus. But instead of playing all the non-creature artifacts like Moonstar Prototype, Soul Guide Lantern, Mox Amber, etc., 
cut all that stuff and use all those slots to play artifact creatures. So you have Ornithopter, you have Stonecoil Serpent, you have Silver Raven, Ginger Brute. These cards are a joke, of course, but the point is that when I cast them, when I do that little thing where I loot, I discard the Daredevil, put the Daredevil back in my hand, I've actually increased my board presence by one additional creature. And because of Chief Engineer, I'm representing a lot of mana for next turn, a lot of Convoke mana for next turn. And there's even some theoretical Christmas land where I played enough Ornithopters and Stonecoil Serpents for zero, because Unctos gives it plus one plus one, that I've actually like just randomly accumulated enough mana during a single kind of Glimpse of Nature style turn that I can actually cast the Reservoir, Aetherflux Reservoir, or the Paradox Engine in that same turn. That I, So he's, he's saying, what if I just win on turn three? I don't know if that's actually realistic. The difference is that I filled my deck with absolute garbage creatures. Like, Moonstar Prototype at least does something. <laughs> Silver Raven does almost nothing. Will Urker's list does not have a Paradox Engine. Right, right. He just has Reservoir. Right. Yeah. It has one reservoir. So you have to resolve the reservoir, and then you just have to continue to cast creatures because the reservoir hasn't gained you any life yet. You cast all these other spells. Yeah, I, I would need to see that happen once in a blue moon. I, I don't think that's even feasible to do. Not to mention, of course, it's disrupted by everything. Again, this building your deck where you can only win if specifically Unctus is in play and is not <laughs> touched. They don't have a Bray. They don't have Fatal Push. They don't have Counterspell. They don't have Enchantment Removal. I like this shell a little bit more because you can win without Unctus. You could just Emery Paradox Engine and and win the game, right? You, you don't need to do all this other stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing that I thought was actually kind of cute about going the creature route is that both Silver Raven and Network Disruptor are just like 1-1 one, one flyers that happen to be blue and artifact creatures. So just having that and then playing Unctus on turn three, forget the Chief Engineer, gives you a 2-2 flyer that loots when it attacks. And maybe that's actually like another angle, because like, you've been interested in like ninjas before, and, and both of those 1-1 one, one flyers support ninjas. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> Could that be like another direction to take the Unctus? Yeah, I think it has like real applications as a lore. The other card I'm really interested in, I'm going to space on the name. It's one in a blue for a 2-1. Whenever you draw your second card, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and then when it dies, you get a Thopter. I, pro- I have a couple of them in a few of the builds that I proposed. That card is really good also under Unctus, right? So you play it as a 2-1. They don't really want to kill it. It makes a Thopter. You play Unctus. It naturally draws your second card uh, by attacking. So it attacks as a 3-2. Or if Unctus wants to make an artifact for the turn, it can attack for 4. So that's like a reasonable clock, and it's going to get bigger every turn. And then when it dies, it makes a Thopter, which is an artifact that Unctus pumps. So it's weirdly like a good aggro plan. Do you know the card I'm talking about, Dan? I think it's called Thopter Mechanic. Is that right? Yeah. So I've been like kicking it around as like a card that wasn't that bad. And uh, just like imagining those play patterns is actually interesting, right? Like, So an Unctus has the ability to turn any creature of yours into a blue artifact until the end of the turn. So that's for two yes. life. So you can kind of boost it by plus one plus one whenever you want. Yes. That's kind of interesting. That's at sorcery speed. So you cannot do it in response to removal. Oh, it's sorcery speed. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. So you can boost it or not, but even just like a two mana three, two, that, that's going to grow every turn. And when it dies, it makes a two, two flyer. Again, this is all assuming Unctus is in play, but that's not bad. That's, that's actually like quite reasonable. So like I play Thopter Mechanic. 
you know, you play your 3-2 vampire with blood. I attack with Thopter Mechanic as a 3-2. Like, I'm actually winning the race by a ton against Red Black. They have to kill Unctus or they have to kill this thing. So that, that's that's kind of an avenue I want to explore. And, and we'll probably have an Unctus week at this point because you, you and I have spent so much time noodling on it. But I was trying to resist having an Unctus week. That's why I wanted to like do it today. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's more to explore. Gosh, I'm like, man, what if I have like a scrap heap scrounger in this aggro blue black deck like that's a way to get more pressure from the looting effects it's a four or three off i don't know Jeez, it's a very interesting card something yeah like sahili minus twoing with unctus it just makes two 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 flyers haste like i don't know there's just something right it's there's not nothing oh the format is sahili the filigree master yeah so you go like thopter mechanic Unctus, attack for four if you want. And then next turn, you use Sahili, minus two, make four flying blockers. And then Thopter mechanic, mechanic and attack is a five. All right. All right, Unctus. Fine. You're on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Get your Unctus brews ready. We're coming back for more. But we better wrap it up today. I think we're out of time. So, David, thanks so much. Thank you. Excited to see how these decks test now that we can finally jump into the leagues. And we'll let you all know how that turns out. Absolutely. It should be a blast. Best time of the year. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Deck lists for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And tune in next time for a look at the latest technology in modern and pioneer from Phyrexia All Will Be One. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. Join the Faithless family and help support the show at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.